I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name is Justin Hamilton and welcome to Big Squid. In today's episode, Ben Elwood makes his final appearance for season one as we delve into chapter 10 of the Watchmen graphic novel. We recorded this podcast in the previous edition on the same day with the skies burning orange and the smell of smoke seeping in through the cracks of my home and I feel like both of those podcasts have a underlying level of anxiety as we react to the beginning of this new world, the, the world that scientists told us was coming for decades and uh, I'm sorry if that feels like they're a bit edgy but I think we were both edgy just looking out uh, at everything that was uh, taking place just on the other side of the window and now I'm recording this intro today in Adelaide which is blanketed in smoke as well. So if I take into into account my trip to Brisbane You know, three of the past four Australian cities I've visited uh, and and live in are constant reminders of the challenges we face in the near future and probably beyond. So the reason I bring that up is wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this, I hope you're looking after yourself and that your friends and loved ones are safe. And uh, look after yourself, you know, please. Uh, on a more positive note, I'm dropping two episodes today, this one and Chapter 11 with Richard Feidler, so make certain you have a listen to both. Uh, if you thought Richard was great in his first appearance, you'll be wrapped with Chapter 11 as well. It's possibly even better. Who knows? I'll leave that up to you, but uh, he's in fine form. Uh, by dropping both, that gives me a little more time to finish the first Hoovian script for 2020, and then that gives me breathing time to polish my two new shows for the Adelaide Fringe. Now remember, if you're in Adelaide and you like surreal entertainment that is layered all the way down to the merest throwaway line, and I think since you're listening to this podcast, this show might be just for you, my new John Tilt Animus play, Time is the Fire, opens on the 18th of February in Adelaide. In this uh, story, in this play, you follow John and his toy monkey Lou as they escape their enemy known as the Frail by using songs as a conduit to hide in John's memories. If that seems 
all too much for you, <laughs> and would be fair enough if you felt that way. Then in March, I have my straight stand-up show, and Hamo was his name, oh, which will, on the surface, look like a straightforward show, but anyone who sees the play will get a little secret extra layer. You don't have to see both. You can just see one. But if you see both, you'll be in for a little treat. Uh, you can find tickets for those shows at the Adelaide Fringe website and both shows are appearing at my spiritual home, The Rhino Room. So I'm really, really looking forward to coming home and uh, performing those shows for you. And the stand-up show is coming to Melbourne and Sydney, but let me know on our Big Squid Facebook page if you would really like to see the plays. I'd like to perform them again and it's, it's, a, it's a hard sell sometimes because... You know, they are a bit weird and they are a bit left of centre and, uh, you know, I think producers are a little bit wary of <laughs> putting these things on. But uh, I feel like if we know we have a, have an audience that would like to see them, let me know and, uh, you know, maybe we can set up a little secret show, you know, something nice and small and intimate in both cities. I think you would like them. Uh, it's just sometimes convincing the people who produce these things uh, to know that you're out there and that you will come and see them. So uh, get onto the page and let me know and we'll maybe we'll set up a little secret show for you ink spots out there. Ink spots. Oh, yeah, ink spots. Maybe we'll keep that. Ink spots? Do you want to be called ink spots? Fans of the Big Squid podcast? Yeah, I quite like that. Uh, it is also Monday morning and pardon the mild... Damon Lindelof pun, I feel lost without another episode of Watchmen. Uh, the more I think about it, though, the more I like where it ended. I have faith that the team could create another series that is just as good, maybe even better. But I love that ending so much, I'm good with that being possibly the only thing they make. And, uh, you know, funnily enough, I saw... Uh, Two endings. Uh, oh, by the way, if they were to make a new show and they wanted to go with my anthology idea, like, feel free to go with it. Like, if anyone's listening, I'd be wrapped. Though they'd probably come up with better ideas than me, but I would be, um, I'd be into that idea as well. What was that? You want me to come and work on it? Well, you know, let, let me see uh, what's coming up in my calendar, and yes, I can. All right. <laughs> but it's, in all, all, all jokes aside, if that was it, then, then I'm fine. It was great. I just loved everything about it. And and funnily enough, I saw the endings of two other stories this week. And one was Doomsday Clock, uh, which had the Watchmen universe coming face-to-face with the DC universe. And it was fine. It, like, Look, it was really well made. There's obviously a lot of thought and love that went into it. But I, I think this just shows that some characters aren't meant to mingle. Like, there's... Like, there was always something ridiculous about Dr. Manhattan wandering around and Watchmen with his wang out. Like, it's really funny. And, um, and you know, it was kind of representing how removed he was from the world. But I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it was just something seeing Dr. Manhattan confronting Superman. And there he is with his Smurf-like penis dangling in the wind. I just... I'll accept... The, the craziness of a superhero world, but you have to get the bits that you relate to right, like the everyday bits. And I just feel like if you'd really thought it through properly, wouldn't you have had, I don't know, Clark at some point say, um, hey, do you mind putting on some underwear? I've got some. It's on the outside. Why don't you put some right there? You can borrow mine. I don't know. I just... Um, 
there was just an inherent clumsiness in trying to make the two worlds mingle. I don't know why they didn't use the reworked Charlton heroes from Grant Morrison's Multiversity instead. They would have segued nicely into a story and, 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 and it probably would have been better to, to make something that was a homage to Watchmen. But this, this felt like a cover band that does a great job of playing the music of, say, The Darkness... And like just just nails it musically, but fails to realise that the darkness is really funny. And, and also, I don't like bagging things, especially when you can see a lot of love and time have gone into it. And uh, and I do think there were some aspects of the story that were were pretty good, but there was just the simplicity of Superman represents hope, and this is what John has to learn. And I think it misses the fundamental uniqueness of Doctor Manhattan, which is he's very human, so human that he has quite human reactions to life, regardless of his powers. And I. I think the HBO series now this on the head and, and Doomsday Clock kind of just kind of missed it. Still, you might like it. And I think, uh, as I said before, it's made with a lot of love. So if you check it out and enjoy it, then that is still a win. Uh, I also saw the last Star Wars movie and, you know, there are other people who are way more invested in Star Wars than I am. and um, And I know some people are loving it. So... All I'll say is after seeing the HBO Watchmen series and seeing the rise of Skywalker, there are two ways to approach a franchise. You either dig right into it and find something new or you try to please everyone. And I know which one worked for me and um, yeah, you can work it out from there because I don't want to bum anyone out. Uh, especially if you really did uh, love it. Look, the only real criticism I will throw out there, because I, I don't give a fuck if this actually offends anyone, but I'm very disappointed in the capitu- in the uh, capitulation made by the franchise in the approach to Rose. So regardless of what you thought of the previous movie, the actor who portrayed her was bullied off social media, etc. And the way to deal with that is to stand up to bullies and tell them they're wrong with your words, your art, your actions. And I think that this last movie took the cowardly way out and did not do the right thing by her and did not do the right thing by the fans of her. And I guess I guess after 40 years of seeing these movies, if, you know, if this is the end, and I know they're going to make other movies, but I, I think this is my jumping off point that I'll, uh, I'm, I'm done with uh, all of this stuff. Except for Baby Yoda. I'm still all the way in there. I was a bit late to Baby Yoda. I was pretty busy. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all in right there but uh otherwise um you know uh we're all good all good with star wars <laughs> okay uh i'll swing by at the end and uh you know have a quick chat to you then but in the meantime let's catch up with ben and talk all things chapter 10 two riders were approaching So I've been listening to the soundtracks mm-hmm. and uh, and listening to them, of course, you know, devoid of images. Yes. And I realised, I, I think I kind of knew it at the time, but just being able to focus on the music. Mm. Reznor and Ross's music for the, the Dark Knight parody yeah. in Watchmen yeah. is so... Hans Zimmer through 
a Nine Inch Nails filter, it's magnificent. Oh my god! And then it hits a point where um, it dies out because you've got your headphones on, you're walking around doing things, and you go, "I wonder what the next draws." Oh, kick back in. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I used to listen to the um, Dark Knight Rises. No, the Dark Knight. Well, both of them, the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises yeah. soundtrack on a just infinite loop. You know, sitting at sushi train. And it just adds an air of yeah. anxiety and manicness to oh, yeah. everyday activities. Well, especially the, the Joker thing. You Wee! know, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, and you were saying that you've just rewatched the trilogy. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you've had an epiphany. Would totally. You? Un- well, of course. <laughs> As rises. I said, you, are gonna, you, you continue to Shanghai me into your campaign to uh, admit that The Dark Knight Rises is indeed my favourite of the three. I'm not saying it is subjectively. Uh, objectively no, the best, no. but on this rewatch, I think it's the one I enjoyed the most. I like. I agree totally with that, and I am shanghaiing you <laughs> into my crusade. Uh, I, I often think, you know, it's. I I wonder if the pushback to that film are people who never saw Batman Begins or didn't yeah. really or forgot what Batman Begins was about because it does bring. The story full circle. Yes, and then uh, and and there's also you know the beautiful things like uh, repeated imagery, which mm. we see all the way through uh, Watchmen as a comic and the mm. TV series. But things like in Batman Begins, you know, when they get the first cows and Alfred smashes it yep. with a baseball bat, yep. it, it makes exactly the same shape that yep. Bane makes yep. when he breaks it. You yep. know, so there's there's all that kind of stuff. But also each movie is you know in many ways. Batman Begins is takes the blueprint of Richard Donner's Superman mm-hmm. and updates it for a modern audience. Yep. And then The Dark Knight is a gangster film. Heat. And then Rises is this operatic war movie. Yeah. And I think the whole thing's opera. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't watch I don't watch I, it's always a frustration when people say, oh, it's just, you know, like it was realistic and then it gets to Dark Knight Rises and it's not realistic. It's mm. like none of it's realistic. He dresses up as a bat and fights crime. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. All, it's all big thoughts. It's all opera. Yeah, and I think when you're watching it as, as a kind of single unit, as, yeah. you know, a trilogy, as, as a three-act opera, yeah. it definitely does build to... This crescendo of just, I mean, it's fucking insane. That third movie's insane. Oh, yeah. It's insane. And I think, you know, we, we talked uh, on a previous podcast about uh, expectation and how that can colour a viewing or a reading of something. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the pushback, I think it's two-pronged. A lot of the pushback that I had when I first saw it was, this isn't the movie I thought it was going to be. Right. Uh, I really, uh, <clears throat> the, 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 uh, We've probably talked about this constantly, but my favourite uh, part of the Batman mythos is the transition from uh, mobster crime to super criminal crime. Right. So that awful trap that Bruce gets stuck in where he became Batman to get all the corruption out of the police force and get rid of the mob and then, you know, hopefully quit. Yeah. But by putting on the costume and running around like a fucking freak on the rooftops, he's inspired all these weirdos to rise up and, you know, become a new class of criminal that only he now has the capacity to deal with. So he can never stop. And he's just caught in this awful cycle. I thought the third movie was going to be the end of the mob and the birth of 
super criminality. So I had all these wonderful visions right. of oh, Two Face isn't really dead. He's gonna he's gonna emerge as the architect, and we're gonna see the Penguin and the Riddler. But we won't even really need to have an origin story. They can right. just be there, and and then it wasn't that. And so obviously I had disappointment. Right. Similar thing with the Matrix sequels. I think a lot of people really railed against them because it wasn't. It went in a different direction than we to expected. To what they expected, right. Yeah. And then also, I think it plays into that thing of, while all three are not realistic, yeah. I think one and two, you know, whatever, they seem to be more realistic than the third. I think the third one goes hell for leather, uh, and it opens the world up in a way that uh, is bigger than the previous two, and thus people can interpret that as less realistic. Right. The first one also has him flying around on a on a what is it the monorail, yeah. not banging into anything <laughs> yeah. and somehow flipping himself in. But I, I see, I do see your point. The uh, a few of the things that frustrate me: one, no one ever talks about the plane sequence. <laughs> the plane sequence is fantastic. But the, like, yeah. I feel like I feel like it was like um, I feel like that by Nolan was a little bit like I don't know. You see LeBron James dunk through traffic so many times that when he, when he does it again, you go, oh, yeah, that's what he does. And it's like, that's really hard. And, you know, that's that, really I, impressive. Do you think that that might be the fault of the, not the fault of the audience, but the fact that we are so used to seeing spectacle now that it's just the assumption that it's a special effect? Right. I would love to know out of 100 people watching that moment, oh, is, if you, do if you, you do said you, to them, is that is that real or is that CG? If they would go, oh, it's, it's the CG. Right. Because, I mean, the audacity of that. Yeah. That sequence is out of control. Out of control. And only a director at the top of his game with an unlimited pile of money to draw from and yeah. complete trust from the studio could do something that like that. Yeah. You know. Also, I hate the criticism that Bane's vo- voice is funny as if it's like, yes. It's supposed to be funny. He's funny. <laughs> like, that's, that's the same thing with the Joker. His voice is funny. Well, of course. And that speech, like, uh, you know, my friend that I, the, the, we were, I was watching it with, you know, when he's doing those speeches about, yeah. you know, oh, you must give them hope before you take it away and that yeah. leads to the ultimate despair. It's so much more terrifying in that yes. voice than it would be if you're like... Right. It, it's, yeah, okay, that's the obvious route. It's yes. so much more terrifying coming from a kind of a clownish Mate, like, figure. We, you, we've all, like, I reckon you've never been in a bar. Like, mm. you, you've gone out with your mates mm. and you've had a really good night mm. and you're a bit fucking trashed or you're a bit off your face right. and then... You think, you know what? Let's just go to one more bar. You go to one more bar that you would never go to because it's open yep. and you're having a really good time. And then some guy who's at the bar starts talking to you and he's quite funny. Mm. And then he says, Can I buy you a beer? And you say, No, thanks. And he says, Why not? Mm-hmm. It's that guy. Yep. That, that scary guy yep. that was fine and funny who now turns yeah, on a yeah, dime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so much more uh, terrifying because of the unpredictability. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. So, and also, it was one of those, like, like I, 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 I know he's a character, mm. but having consumed the character in many different formats by many different creators, it's one of the rare times that I would, like, it's, it's the only time that I would honestly say that I like Bruce Wayne. Like I like yeah, him. Right, yeah, right. Like yeah, I yeah. like I have empathy for him because I see him from the boy going mm. through. Like I know, like there's there's a, there's not because it's the last film. Mm. Him making the leap mm. 
of course he's going to make the leap. There's not there's not anything in the leap that is surprising because you know he's going to make when it. When he's escaping the prison. When he's escaping yeah. the prison. No. But thematically, it's satisfying because I saw the boy fall into the pit. Mm. So then when I see him crawl out as Bruce Wayne, <laughs> you know I know I he know. doesn't need to be Batman anymore. Do you know what I mean? You know like what? I never complete. made that connection before. <laughs> I'm a bad movie watcher. Mate, I, I never made that connection before. Of course. He's so of course. so, yeah, so right. it doesn't matter that it's like, oh, oh, God, I didn't see that coming. It's yeah. like, yeah, no, 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 that's not the point. It's thematically bringing it full circle. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why you know he's going to win at the end yeah. because he doesn't need to be that person anymore. Yeah. And I also think this is the beginning of that. Do you remember? Do you remember when Mad Max Fury Road came out, and oh, all these guys were getting upset so about it? And it was so funny to me. It was so funny yeah. that these men existed and mm. were were threatened yeah. by this film. Yeah. And then, uh, and then they all voted for these men to get into positions of power, and <laughs> the joke was on us. But. Um, <laughs> There, I feel like there is, uh, you know, looking back on it, I feel like there is the, 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 the scent of that toxicity in so many guys I knew just went, why, why would he quit? Because mm. they were thinking that mm, it's cool mm, mm, mm. to be a f- fucking loner idiot running around yeah, in, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, in yeah. a suit fighting crime. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> you really know, like the idea that he could be upset about someone that he cared for being dead and that pushing him into a circle. And I also think that Rachel Dawes there, and he would never say it because he's got too much class, but by not mentioning the Joker at all, because he didn't want to mention the Joker because of Heath Ledger's death and he wanted to show respect to Ledger, Mm. but by not mentioning him, to me, Heath Ledger's shadow is completely over that film. Yeah, right. and, And Bruce's feelings for Rachel are Nolan's feelings for Ledger. Ah, very nice. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know if I'm right about that, but that's how I read it. No, it's, uh, there is no right or wrong. And that's why stuff. I love that's it. The, and everyone's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting that, that the, the, the you bring up the Mad Max thing, because um, when I first saw Fury Road, uh, and this is before I became aware of, uh, of a lot of the pushback, mm. I remember thinking during the first time, this is one of the most, what I define as masculine, or maybe more to the point, adult characters Mm. that's ever been depicted in an action movie. He's aware of his limitations. Mm. He's fully secure in himself to go, you know what? You're probably more equipped to make this shot than I am. Oh, yeah. You do it. Great moment. You you know, not this fucking, I've got it under control. I (laughs) I found him to be like almost an idealized version of masculinity, if you want to talk in binary terms, mm. uh, of, you know, uh, uh, broad definitions of masculine and feminine. Right. The, the ability to, you know, seed control yeah. is a mark of your own security in yourself. Right. Not, uh, not, a, not a flaw. And funnily enough, his greatest action moment, uh, you don't even see it. Yeah. He goes off in the night and he comes back covered in blood. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, and, and, and and that's so much more powerful. Well, yeah, going, because there's a savagery to it as well, yeah. and there's a regret to it. There's a just a like, oh, you know, there's he's there, there's no reveling. Yeah. in the killing and the violence. Yeah. it's a, it's a necessary evil. Just went and did it. Oh, I man, know that, I, that, that movie is so good. It's so good. It's so good. Have you seen the black and chrome version? No, I haven't. And as soon as we started oh, talking about mm. it, I realized that I haven't seen it and I need to see it. It's uh, spectacular. Yeah. I mean, I prefer the color version, yeah. but certain sequences, particularly when they do have augmented CG, yeah. when it's black and chrome, pff, unbelievable. 
Anyway, um, this is a Watchmen podcast. It is. <laughs> it, all, it, it all relates. Um, let's get into the Issue 10 summary. Two riders were approaching. President Nixon and his Vice President Gerald Ford head deep inside an emergency government bunker to make plans on how they should deal with the Russian tanks making their way to the East German border. Meanwhile, Night Owl and the newly freed Rorschach continue their investigation and to aid them in their work, they return to Rorschach's apartment to pick up his spare costume and journal. As they do this, Adrian Veidt arrives at his retreat in Antarctica. Veidt informs his associates that the delivery was successful and begins to study his wall of televisions. He watches the information flickering across the screen, the broadcast from around the world informing him that a new world war is inevitable. Back in New York, Rorschach and Night Owl disagree on how to proceed, whether they should be out looking for this so-called mask killer or trying to uncover why someone would kill the comedian and what his connection to the plot against Dr. Manhattan was. They reach an impasse and decide their next course of action is to interrogate some of the criminal element who might help them uncover some leads. That's what I always do when I reach an impasse with someone. I just go and beat the shit out of the uh, criminal <laughs> element and then uh, come back and go, you know what, I will have a falafel roll. <laughs> they, <laughs> they head to a bar that Rorschach often <laughs> frequents and soon discover that it was a freight coordinator at Pyramid Industries who paid for the hit on Adrian Veidt. But the go-between who carried the money was never told who the contract was on. Before leaving, Night Owl discovers by accident that Hollis Mason is dead. Dan is shattered by this news and together they leave, determined to find Vite to pass on the news that they, they just discovered in the hope he'll be convinced to help them in their quest. As the heroes set out to find Vite, somewhere out on the ocean, comic book writer Max Shea and painter Hira Manish begin to make out in the hold of the ship they're on. They're both happy to finally be leaving the island they've been living on while working on the super secret movie project they helped create alongside other artists. Shay notices a bomb under a tarp just seconds before it explodes, destroying the ship and murdering everyone on board. Rorschach and Night Owl arrive at Veidt's building, but he's not there. They find an appointment book which tells them Veidt left for a place named Karnak. On a hunch, Night Owl hacks into the computer system and discovers that Pyramid Industries is one of Veidt's companies. I can't believe Pyramid Industries had something to do with Adrian Veidt, surrounded by all that Egyptian <laughs> decor. They realise that Karnak is Veidt's Antarctic retreat and head off to confront him. Before they make the journey, Rorschach makes one final journal entry detailing Veidt's role in the plot and drops it in a mailbox. It arrives at the New Frontiersman newspaper office, where it is immediately consigned to the crank file before being read. Once Rorschach and Night Owl arrive in Antarctica, they head to Veidt's retreat to surprise him. Unfortunately, through the use of his surveillance cameras, Adrian Veidt is already aware of their approach. The closing quote is from Bob Dylan and his song All Along the Watchtower. Outside in the distance, a wild cat did growl. Two riders were approaching. The wind began to howl. Um, this was the first time I'd read a comic where the real world felt like it was going to have an impact on a superhero's life. And I, I wonder, is this a, a bit of an intrinsic flaw in the way we approach superhero comics now in that we, we, we try to add all this realism to them? Mm. And they're, they're not... Uh, the physics of a comic book world aren't designed to really deal with the real world. So uh, it was qu it was quite shocking to see it in a comic uh, as, a, as a kid to see how it could play out. Uh, sorry, uh, forgive my ignorance. Which real world event are you talking well, about? Well, you know, the, uh, the, sorry, I, I'm talking about the idea of, like I'd never read a comic up until this point that 
nuclear war. Could oh, be yeah, something. right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. The threat of nuclear war, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that weird pall that hangs over everybody. And, the you know, I, I, I feel like that's kind of... I mean, our threat right now is not nuclear war, it's climate change. Yeah. And I, you know... I it's existential. Yeah, and yeah. rereading this the other night, just that, you know, the inter- particularly the interactions with people on the street, mm. where it's just this kind of... You know, <laughs> I, I've been saying for years, you know, when I walk in the streets these days, it feels like humanity collectively is a herd of cows just before a thunderstorm. You oh, know, we, yeah. we felt the air pressure drop. Yeah. And everyone's a bit like, mm, yeah. and we, but, you know, we're just witnesses to history. We, we have no say in this. What will be, will be. Mm. And we are, either, we are at the mercy of whatever happens. Um, and that is a deeply... Um, uncomfortable place to be. It's really scary. Like, our city has been essentially orange. Dude, it was raining ash yesterday. Yeah. It was like fucking Schindler's List. I'm walking home yeah. and there's ash falling from the sky. Yeah. And people are taking photos of it like it's completely normal. Well, With their designer fucking breathing masks. Yeah. Like, this is this is the new reality. Well, uh, what? A, a friend of mine's uh, daughter was... Uh, saw Ash for the first time. She's six, uh, yeah. so or just about to turn six. And she's pretty smart and she's uh, super articulate. And she turned around to her dad and, and said, oh, my God, this is the first time I've seen Ash in the way that you would say. Oh, my God, <laughs> this is the first time I've seen snow. Yeah. And her dad was like going, yeah, that's not a good thing. You I know? couldn't believe, like literally last uh, as I was walking home last night and it started raining ash, mm. I looked up in the sky and I didn't even realise I said it out loud. I, I said something like Armageddon or something. Yeah. And a guy walking behind me went, it's crazy, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden there was like four of us just standing in the middle of the street, yeah. similar to how these people are around the newsstand, just yeah. going, what is going on. The yeah. sun is bright red. Yeah, Everyone moon looks is red. jaundiced because yeah. of the fucking yellow light. Yeah. There's no sky and yeah. it's raining ash and we're all just supposed to fucking go on as though no- as though everything's completely normal. Right. I showed you the newspaper today. Oh. The newspaper, the Daily Telegraph, not the most prestigious fucking periodical, yeah. but it says the headline is, you know, SOS Sydney in danger as as a tiny headline and then underneath it is an ad for new cars. Well, it's it's buy not a new ju- car no, while the world burns. It's not just an ad. It's it's 3 quarters of the page. It's unfucking believable. Well, it would be fine if they said this car will get you through a fire. I took a photo of it. We should put it as a note on the uh, oh, yeah. description of yeah. this podcast because yeah. it's really it's like we've gone through the looking glass it's like post parody well it's it unbelievable is, you know and uh, meanwhile our our government which is predominantly rich white men who have no connection to the people that they should be looking after are pushing through anti-terrorist oh, uh, you know uh, legislation for the airports they're cutting uh, support the for the for the kids uh, in you know in in camps that yeah. were not looking after they've folded the arts into all sorts of uh, you know like what's what's it with the infrastructure yeah, and, and traffic uh, and traffic and stuff like that you know you, you you kill the arts that's that's some well, that's, fascist shit yeah yeah you no, know yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, and but, 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 but we have to come to realize these people. It's not just that they don't care. They have active contempt mm. for the general population. They yeah. hate us. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the country is literally on fire. Yeah. And our deputy prime minister said anyone that thinks this has anything to do with climate change is a pinko 
environment. So David Attenborough and every fucking leading scientist on the planet are pinko left wing. Shut the fuck. This isn't about fucking politics. This isn't about a debate. There is ash raining from the sky and children are collapsing from asthma attacks. And you want to pretend this is... But the, 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 the most terrifying thing is they want it. They actively want Armageddon. Our Prime Minister talks in tongues. In tongues. He's a Pentecostal who talks in tongues. Mate, I this know... This guy does I, not... What? I know people who didn't vote for Bill Shorten, and I'm not saying Bill Shorten was the, the, the greatest uh, option, but people wouldn't vote for Bill Shorten because they said, oh, I didn't like the way he paused when he talked. Cool, and it's man. like, yeah, you know what? I would rather have a guy who's not very good with commas than someone who speaks in an imaginary language to an imaginary person to find inspiration to govern people. In, in 20, almost 20, you know. You while, know, while it's the insane. World burns, it, it's, it's an absolutely horrifying position to be in and it's a and just also the psychological violence that's being committed against the average person Mm. on earth now it is just this non-stop fucking assault of Mm. you are fucked you are dead there is no hope you know and i realize well that's like everyone at the comedy gig i was at last night was just going oh well we're dead in 10 years it's like well i don't necessarily want to just give up but you know what do we do from here? Like, is it, maybe we do need to, like, is it, is it a terrible thing to suggest that it's time to descend into anarchy? <sighs> I don't know. I, I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, I, 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 I know that sounds, and, and this is the kind of language that they would say, oh, look at these hysterical left-wingers. But the fact is, you, you know, you've had this evidence for decades. Oh, man. For decades. You've had this evidence for decades and you you bought the newspapers and you made sure the TVs uh, sent out the messages that you wanted and you did whatever you could yep. to dismantle the conversation so it could get to the masses so they could understand it in plain language so they could make proper mm. informed decisions. Mm. And it's... Fucking scary. Everyone's everyone's hair should be on fire right now. A, a friend of ours, um, Benny Davis, from the Axis of Awesome, mm, yeah. he organised a protest. I think it got quite a bit of steam uh, where he just, you know, he wrote this very eloquent post just going, we are fucked. We're on the Titanic and yeah. the powers that be have locked us in steerage yeah. and we have no say that we're all heading towards an iceberg. Yeah. What else can we do but scream? And he organised a, a, a protest where they just stood outside New South Wales Parliament today, just oh, screaming right. for an hour. Right. And that, it's like, what else is there? Yeah. What else is there? These fuck, they, 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 they don't it's, care. It's psychopathy on, and, and, and base nihilism. Like mm. the, the, the nihilism of it is just so terrifying. And we're all just kind of, we just all have to bear witness. And yeah. we have no say in any of it. Yeah, because our you know there's no information channel that's even legit anymore. And okay. you know, and then you have you know the people who you know it's yeah. I, I said on a previous podcast, it's always been about class warfare, and we mm. always forget that. And money's the seducer, and uh, often you lose your greatest allies when they make a bit of coin, because yeah. once you make a bit of coin, who gives a fuck? Not yep. everyone, but yep. a lot of people. Yep. And you know, like you see it, especially. You know, uh, once upon a time, it was embarrassing to be flushed with riches. And now it becomes a thing to, uh, you know, show off. It should be a profound shame. Why is Jeff Bezos celebrated for being the richest man in the world? Why isn't he 
shamed into fucking doing something. Yeah. Invent desalination. Let's get some water happening. Invent fusion. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. So we don't have to fucking rely on bullshit coal. Like, it's just, you know, oh, no, he's amazing. What an amazing businessman. How many people has he put out of work? How much right. fucking devastation has he wrought? Right. And he's just sitting on this giant fucking Scrooge money bank, not right. doing anything with it. On the flip side, not to get too off topic, but I think it does all relate. What you were saying, you know, about the, the promise of money. Yes. I think a lot of the animosity that's happening in the world now, particularly when you look at like Trump's America and particularly mm. his supporters, I think what's happened there on a mass scale is they've, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but when I was about 21, 22, I read this book, that book, saw that documentary and suddenly woke up one morning and went, oh, fuck, I've been lied to my whole life. Yeah. The whole thing's a fucking charade. Yeah. And I was righteously angry. Yeah. So angry, as I, and as I know a lot of people are when they when the veil is lifted. I believe that's what's happened collectively to millions and millions of people in America. They've mm. all woken up and gone, oh, it was called the American dream because mm. it was never going to come true. Yeah, it yeah. was a fucking lie. Yeah. And I was promised like, oh, let's not tax the billionaires because you might be a billionaire one day. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think the response is, well, then let's just fucking burn it down. Yeah. And that's why he can shoot someone in Fifth Avenue and get away with it because that is not a bug. That is a feature. Yeah. What they love about him is that he is putting a middle finger up to everything and just wiping shit on the walls. Yeah, it's it it, it it it's it's great to them because the dream is not real for yeah. them. So fuck it, it shouldn't be real for anyone. Yeah, you know what I might do? Mm. I might create an alien creature and teleport it. <laughs> Straight into Peter well, Dutton's face. Ironically, I think that's what is going to be needed. I think there yeah. is going to have to be some kind of mass. I don't know yeah. if it's a country going underwater or what, but we're, I don't think that humans collectively a, are going to go, yeah, let's not fucking watch, uh, have our iPhones. Yeah, we need a renegade comet or something like that. Yeah, man. But that's it. But getting back to it, this Sorry. is why this was confronting as a kid to see the threat of nuclear war. This is an interesting chapter in the graphic novel because mm. in many ways this is the end of... It, to me, rereading it, it feels like this is the end of the story that you set up in the first, mm. and you're starting to show me, oh, this is got a much broader palette than I ever realised. And then you, the next one's Adrian, yeah. And then the third one is, you know, the, if in many ways the epilogue, yep. you know, in the yep. aftermath. Yeah. So this is a this is a, a, a to 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 fear nuclear war at the time and to see it playing out while these guys are still running around in costumes and breaking fingers, you know, it really yeah. shows you the futility of it. The um, the 
uh, funnily enough, Moore was uh, exploring this with Miracle Man as well. Oh, really? Have you ever read? No, I've never uh, read. So, um, you know, not really, you know, but at some point it becomes known that these people who have these powers and aliens exist and then they just take over mm. and they just tell you this is what we're doing and they oh, wow. dismantle the economy and they, uh, you know, they bring water to the Sahara and they just remake the world. And um, How does that go? It's Well, it's, <laughs> uh, it's interesting because it's, um, you know, more... More finishes it with a contemplative miracle man wondering about what they've had to give up to achieve this. Mm. And then Neil Gaiman comes in and he, he didn't get to finish what his run was going to be. There's been rumours for years now that he's going to be able to finish it. But he the, the first book that he writes after that's The Golden Age. Mm. And you see what that world is like from ordinary people's perspectives yeah. and it's it's a it's kind of like the flip side of exploring all of this and once again i think Zack snyder is definitely a fan of alan moore and yeah. i think he and i think once again he takes the wrong lessons from it and applies them to man of steel yeah yeah so yeah. but anyway but uh, I'll, i'm i'm speaking a little bit obliquely so you can read it yeah sure sure um on page three uh, Nixon refers to that mad bomber ship. <laughs> and this was an impression that Nixon conceived for himself as a strategy to intimidate yep. his enemies. I really hope that's what our current leaders are doing now. Madman theory. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I, I, I actually have an awful feeling that they're bonkers. And, and like, but uh, bonkers isn't right. I, psychopathic. I think they're psychotic. I think they're sociopaths. But I can't believe that I'm reading this about Nixon and thinking, oh, I hope it's just all a facade to freak us out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd love it if, like, you know, you, well, you know, when when Trump's... not Like, like just for my own peace of mind, I would be quite happy to discover that he gets out of the fat suit, takes off the funny orange wig, and he just looks normal. He's going, man, I am freaking everyone out, <laughs> and I'm getting shit done. And Because uh, and, and, then there would be a sense of... Designed to do it? something terrible. No, yeah, well, but, 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 you, but you know, the truth but that, of it is awful. But then it's like to what end, you know? Because there was that theory about. Well, if he was just like, I, I just like it. I preferred it much more when he was just make, trying to make heaps of money, <sighs> and not. Because that was a theory everyone had about W. George yeah. W. Bush during during his tenure. Like, mm. you know, is that whole, uh, you know. Uh, mispronouncing words and yeah. generally all the gaffes like is that by design mm. you know because he's actually a very intelligent man mm. you know he became the president and he can't be that dumb but you know is this kind of um, is this act mm. you know kind of making everyone as he would say misunderestimate him yeah. and uh, you know kind of turn a blind eye to some of the more egregious shit yeah um, no I, I, I don't think that our leaders are I think they're fucking either religious fanatics or just yeah. You know, in, in Trump's case, I mean, has there been a more vile person? Oh, yeah. He is just like it. It, 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 it it's yeah, it's beyond reckoning. Peter Dutton looks like he's fucking burst out of some asshole's chest. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like he is awful. Well, it's those glazed reptilian eyes. Like if if <laughs> like I don't think violence is an answer, but if someone wanted to stick a stake through his heart, <laughs> not saying it's the worst thing in the world. I'd love this to come back and bite me on the face. Someone listens to this, leaks it, and I'd just, I'd just back it. I'd say, the yeah, feds. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're looking for wooden stakes. <laughs> um, let's 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 get to something a little bit more potentially optimistic. Yeah. In, uh, on page six, panel seven, we see Walter come face to face with the landlady who mm. made claims about him that weren't true. And normally he would dish out some justice, but when he looks down, he sees the crying child and recognizing recognises himself. In doing so, he leaves her alone. And later, we see him shake Dan's hand and offers the condolence that he is difficult to deal with at times. And I wonder, is this an implication that for all his cleverness with his psychiatrist, did Malcolm Long have some positive effect on Rorschach? Yeah, right. I never... I, I didn't interpret it that way, um, that it was the, the shrink that... Um or maybe it is. Maybe the fact that he was, you know, opened up and and told the truth about who he is um, had a follow-on effect. Uh, I always interpreted it as, you know, even in the most kind of, you know, uh, staunch uh, and Randian type, mm. there is, you know, a skerrick of humanity or at least the potential for... Because it's really... The, it's the kid. Yeah. If that kid wasn't there, he'd... Do Probably. God knows what to her. Yeah. Uh, but And it's also he's seeing himself. Yeah. His but, mother, I, but, but, you know, like he, he was being shown all those ink blots and he was, yeah. you know. So, I, I you know, I, you could be potentially right, but there was, a, there was a little part of me that where he has the adverse effect on Malcolm, maybe maybe oh, there was yeah, a shred yeah, of, yeah. you know, going back and forth. I, I'd never seen it that way before. No, but this that's a reading. great interpretation, particularly with the um, the mirroring, yeah. which would be thematically resonant with the whole yeah. the whole work. And, yeah. it, and, it, and it suddenly... So it makes the ending of Rorschach's story a little bit more tragic for me mm. now because I do wonder, oh, well, maybe maybe he wasn't irredeemable. Like, maybe he was potentially uh, someone who could find his way back. Well, maybe it's... Because you know how... uh, Because it's kind of suggested that before the incident with the... uh, The Caving the dog's heads in, that he's not truly Rorschach. Yeah. That he's Walter. Maybe he's circling back around and rediscovering Walter. I I think it's interesting that the blood splash on his singlet mirrors the blood splash that created quote-unquote Rorschach. Yeah. Um, I still haven't figured out what I think that means, particularly in light of this newfound compassion that he has. But, um, yeah, it, it, it feels like he's rediscovered a humanity. Yeah. So yeah. then, you know, when when the ending happens, it's like, oh. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not, you know... You know, maybe... I've never really thought about it, but maybe he is right to try and leave, even though Dr. Manhattan doesn't let him. Right to leave, to go and tell everyone yeah. what's really happened. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a hard one, right? Because it's a monster. Yeah. It's, because what's it's happened is just, you know, heinous. And how do you live with yourself keeping that secret? Mm. You know, uh, it's like when all the 9-11 conspiracies were going around and it's right. like, well, there'd have to be thousands of people in on this. Oh, yeah. Thousands of people would have to know that yeah. this was a false flag inside job. And Mate. How do a th- how thousands of people keep their conscience? In, in the comedy world, people can't keep a secret. <laughs> <laughs> like, who yeah, are we yeah, kidding? Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know uh, what your initial reaction to Adrian Veidt being revealed as the ultimate villain. Because I feel like the... Uh, the, the, the look on Night Owl's face when he realises it's mm, such it's beautiful great. artwork by yeah. Dave Gibbons. I think, it's, I think it's a real moment where it's like, did you just draw all of our faces? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, 
I don't remember this reveal. See, it's funny. There's reveals to me that I remember very clearly right. from when I was 16 and first read it. The reveal of the comedian being Laurie's father yeah. hit me at the exact moment it did her. And yeah. I remember, you know, freezing. The moment where Rorschach realizes what's happened to the little girl that he's come to yeah. rescue. Uh, this I don't remember so much. I don't think that I was necessarily as... Locked into the mystery of it all. No. Um, yeah. Okay. Then I was the, the detail of you know the the kind of individual character pieces that were happening. Yeah. Well, you kind of it it does kind of meander a little bit. Like not, but not necessarily. I, I don't mean that as a negative, but mm. the you know that's what I mean about this chapter. Feels like it's hey, we're just bringing back this part of the story that we yep. set up at the start, and yep. then once this chapter's done. This yeah. part of the book is over. Yeah, And definitely. now it's going to become something else. Definitely. By the way, I love when Adrian Fine <laughs> turns up to Antarctica. He just casually gets changed out of his uh, business suit and just, I'm just put on my costume now. <laughs> I and like I love that. that his palace is the same colour as his costumes. Oh, it's so The purple good. stairs and the golden handrails. And it's, um, and it's a brutal moment for Dan as well, discovering, you know, his mentor is dead. Yeah. As well, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, so... In the on the official Watchmen podcast, I think it was on the official Watchmen podcast, or maybe it was an article that I read. But Damon Lindelof has said that um, uh, Dan's not turning up in yeah, the series, right. okay. which makes sense because I don't know where you would put With him. Two to go, I yeah. Don't yeah. Um, but uh, that would be it'd be interesting to see how he'd do with it. If if they make a sequel. Mm. What would you be interested in seeing? <laughs> I am... I've always been really fascinated just in comics in general in the heroics of the 30s and 40s. I, yeah. lo I love that. That yeah. I would, I, If I could see a sequel, I'm probably more interested in going back to Minutemen yeah. and extrapolating off of that. Yeah. Um, in terms of the future stuff... I don't know, like... I kind of like the idea of, you know, like, make it... it you know, it would be interesting. I, I like... Um, make it a... Uh, something completely different. And, like, make it almost like a... Almost like an old school... Uh, uh, untouchables, black and white, you know. Almost yeah, make yeah, it yeah. really straightforward. Yeah. But it would be... It, it would be kind of interesting in that... You know, you've got the guy dressed as Mothman. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of play it straight, but almost he's really dressed as a moth. Like for sure, yeah, almost, yeah, almost like the Dark Knight bit. The the only the only uh, that before Watchmen series that came out, the only one that I appreciated was the Minuteman one. You know, um, is that Darwin Cook? Yeah, Darwin. I mean, Darwin Cook was fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know. There's something about the god, and I think it's that part of my brain that's always like. It's the part of my brain I hate, but I, there is a part of me that's like, I want this to be real, and let's try oh, right. it. Let, let's see if we can make this as real right. as possible. And in, and and I buy the logic of them doing it in the 30s and 40s more yeah. than I do in the future because it's a world without security cameras and yeah. it's, you know all this yeah, kind of yeah. stuff where it's like it, I could see that actually happening. Yeah. I could see a reality where people suddenly put on hoods and go around bashing up. What about mothers. what about a, like a, <laughs> like something that would be realistic, but it's a realistic version of the Adam West Batman series. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> well, didn't didn't Grant Morrison do a riff on that where he was like, "Oh, the reason they're seeing Pow and Biff and all that is because they're all fucked up on scare uh, scare powder yeah. and Joker serum, yeah, and they're all tripping balls. They're tripping balls. <laughs> and it's like a, that was in his run where he decided that every adventure in the some greatest. way the existed. Oh man, and my, my you know my favorite bit of that entire series <laughs> is when Batmite returns. Oh yeah, he integrates Batmite. Yeah. Um, and he's, um, he's so, and they're like overlooking a crime scene just as he's about to launch into fighting. Batman turns to Batmite and goes, so are you really an imp from the fifth dimension or are you just a figment of my imagination? And without missing a beat, Batmite goes, imagination is the fifth dimension. Some greatest detective you turned out to be and disappears. disappears yeah. <laughs> Have you, um, Morrison has been doing a... Um, uh, I, don't, I don't have it nearby, but he's doing uh, a three-part. So he did first season of Green Lantern, yeah. which was great. Oh. And he's got a second season, but Liam Sharp, who's doing such beautiful, uh, creating such beautiful artwork, needed a, a breather. So he's got this storyline called uh, with, the, with the Black Stars where they've taken over the universe and uh, they've remodeled it. It's a three-parter. Oh. And it's been heaps of fun. And the second one... <laughs> <laughs> Hal Jordan, who now works for the Black Stars, mm. goes to um, Earth and it's Morrison just fucking roasting the DC universe and his own work. Great. Do you know what I mean? Great. But it's, you know, yeah, it's Superman talking about, oh, you know, we're, we're all having, uh, you know, uh, emotional issues down here. <laughs> you know, reality keeps rewriting itself every th- few years. <laughs> you know, it's kind of uh, every time we turn around, there's another anthropomorphic villain that was greater than the last one that's destroying that's us. You know, it, yeah. uh, oh, Batman just, you know, just never asked for help. Like, we'd go and help him with all these villains, <laughs> but he's just taken it on himself and his aunt Harriet had to be Batman for a month. <laughs> like, it's really, it's really funny and it's... um. It's uh, it, it it is one of those things where, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, you go through stages where you love the stuff, and I feel like I learned a lot of uh, storytelling techniques from comics, yeah. and uh, uh, you know, some of my favorite writers had, you know, I love big ideas, mm-hmm. and uh, that it was such a beautiful world for big ideas. Yeah. Uh, but I read a lot of the modern stuff, and I kind of go, I just feel like I'm doing the majority of this out of habit. Right. And it's it's like, you know, I'm just... I think there's a part of me that's always thought, oh, I would love to write comics. Like, I actually... You know, that's the part of my career where I go, oh, you know, I wish I wish maybe you did you wrote a few less live stand-up shows and you did... did some comics. And did some books and, uh, you know, paid a bit more attention to comics and and do that kind of thing. But uh, when you I still do it, man. Oh yeah, you well, got your Batman opus in you. Well, I don't know because I think it's um, it's uh, yeah, it's really hard because I think it's a time for diversification. Mm. <laughs> if you yeah, go, yeah, you know, yeah. like I really believe that. Yeah. So, um, fan fiction. Everyone's fan got fiction. The, every Batman oh, fan's got their own so, Batman story in there. So, head. did you? Uh, so, do you remember the New Zealand show Fan Fiction Comedy? No, it was great. Oh. Uh, Rose Matafeo, who's getting a, a Netflix series, yeah, wow, uh, cool. used to be a part of it, and um, I love those guys. And it was a really fun show. And uh, one year at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, I did 
every Sunday for three weeks, oh. and I wrote the next three chapters in the Nolan Batman universe. Ah, oh, fucking great! And it was heaps of fun. Oh, that's great! It was heaps of fun because yeah, it's yeah. and because it's meant to be funny as well. Like it's kind of you know, yeah. Like I think the second chapter was. Um, uh, Bruce and Selina taking down the last of the cells of the League of Shadows and then getting called back to Gotham. And then there was like uh, the John Blake and Bruce Wayne Batman teaming up to, you know, the Joker's taken over. Anyway, guess what I did? Had a really good time. <laughs> I'll have to find it somewhere. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it was like, yeah, I'll write that. Um Okay, let's get to these uh, last bits. Um, with, 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 with this chapter, just, oh, yeah. uh, just quickly. Yeah. Do you think that there's a part of Adrian that wants to be caught? Because well, for the world's smartest guy, he leaves a lot of fucking loose ends. Well, that's also a really interesting thing that you say, because if you take that into context with the TV series, mm. like that video is yeah. full on. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I've, I've seen some people say that, that doesn't jibe, but rereading the the graphic novel, it's like, yeah. When you're that egotistical, and in the next chapter, mm. uh, which um, we have uh, Richard Fiedler helping us break down, amazing. He uh, he really talks about as a young boy, just knowing that he's smarter than everyone, and the only way he can. Um, find his way forward, especially after his parents die, is he looks at Alexander the Great and decides, oh, I'm going to mm. I'm going to follow in his footsteps and mm. I, uh, you know, the uh, I'm misquoting the line, but the you know, if he bumped into Alexander in the halls of you know, yeah, heaven, yeah. would he what would he say, you know yeah. so that to me is a monstrous ego, and that right. monstrous ego, like, Oversight. people people, mm. like Bono does a lot of good, but you know oh, what he likes to tell us? I don't. He like does Bono. a lot of good. No, I know. Neither do I. But but you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, when yeah, you have yeah. that kind of ego, it's rare that you do really good things and not let. Because Dan and know Dan about. and uh, Rorschach don't have to do a lot of digging. No. To figure it out, you know, even the password to his computer, it's like, bro, you know, you know, put a fucking. Put a, put a uh, put a symbol in it. Yeah, something, an exclamation yeah. point, anything, yeah, a capital yeah, yeah. letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so I feel like that is actually in keeping with what we see on the on the episode. Now, we're, um, I'll, I'm sure I would have said in the intro to this when we were recording this, uh, but uh, just in case I've forgotten mm. to, <laughs> look, this is some Doctor Manhattan <laughs> shit going on here. Um, there was a part of me that was like, imagine if they did. Imagine if that was a deep fake. Imagine if that was a deep fake that yeah, they created, yeah. but they were correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That, that would be so amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think you do these things and don't want people to know. Kind of want to Like know some people. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, rereading it, it was like, oh, you know, you're calling your delivery company Pyramid. Oh, you know, yeah. you're leaving a, a, a pretty uh, tasty trail of breadcrumbs. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and also his lack of awareness, you know, uh, I, the, the, the scene that really struck me this time was when he's sitting in front of the TV. Mm. And he's, what, 24, 48 hours away from dumping this squid on New York mm. and killing 3 million people. Mm. And what he's talking about is what shares he's going to buy mm. and what stocks he's investing in to make more money. And it's this weird kind of thing of, like, y you are the problem. Yeah. You and your mentality yeah. 
in our reality are the, all the reasons that we are here right now and the world's on fire and yeah. but coal makes money so we can't stop making money yeah. you got to invest in the right things and yeah. da, 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 da. in this world he just uh, said it was okay to put up that cover to the Daily Telegraph yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you yeah. know just kind of seeing it all in this very Machiavellian you know uh, clinical chess like way yeah of like you know oh, I can see you know there's more sexual imagery you know and that's yeah. what happens when people are in times of crisis and yeah. so let's invest in baby food companies Companies and yeah. it's, you know it's a it's that kind of sick segmentation of everything into graphs at the fucking Wall Street Stock Exchange that have yeah. really put us into a very dastardly place. Yeah. Um. Yeah, fucking hell. This is. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this podcast at the moment going, "Geez, you guys are heaps of fun today." Sorry, but guys. it's hard. It's, <laughs> but, but you but know, what this else is, are we going to talk? But this chapter is also reflecting that that yeah. anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know. You know, looking out my window, that is some scary shit, right? Yeah, man. There's like, there's a thousand Watchmen podcasts. If you want to just hear about fucking not this stuff. Well, you know what? (laughs) Here's one to cheer everybody up. Would you have bought those Watchmen toys in the supplementary section? (laughs) Absolutely. I was thinking that this time. Absolutely. Send me those bits of plastic shaped like characters I like. Oh man! Yeah, definitely. So, I'm looking at them now. So you They're know fantastic. what's interesting? There's no, um, there's no Doctor Manhattan. So Adrian obviously thought, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to put uh, <laughs> kids. You know, oh no, this, know, this is the second wave. So oh, it is I was, the second wave. So I interpreted Manhattan and, oh, and he would have been the others the are in the first wave. wave. Yes. So what what adventures would you have had with you, oh, dude? I was I was I was like reenacting scenes with my Batman figurines into my like mid teens, right. like very humiliatingly. So right. driving the Batmobile around and launching him out. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's absolutely all um, that stuff. I've still got. You've, you've been to my house. I have toys everywhere. Yeah. I'm literally running a show where I have a pet monkey, a toy monkey called Luke, <laughs> who is sitting here with a, a cowboy hat and chaps and looks slightly effeminate. Very nice. Um, yeah, I did look at those toys and thought, oh man, I, back in the day I would have bought them. I can't justify toys now uh, just because I'm a 47-year-old man yeah, who lives yeah. by himself and, yeah. you know. There comes a point. You never know. You might be in a relationship one day and th- that might be the <laughs> bit where you... Do you know that I used to be a massive, like a massive toy collector? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive. Yeah. Like thousands and thousands of dollars on them. Yeah. It was mortifying. But that's that's the collector mentality, isn't it? Of course. It? You know. Of course. You know, that's, God, it's, uh, I understand that mentality. It's and then when I was 25, so. I had a particularly profound magic mushroom trip. Yeah. Passed out on my carpet. And when I woke up, the first thing I saw was the shelf of toys. Yeah. I'm so horrified. And a week later, they're in boxes on eBay. Oh, my God. It's just like, oh, it's a bit, you know. Yeah. You know when that collector's mentality ticks into like a yeah. weird sickness? Yeah. Like bower birding? Yeah. If yeah. I just get that thing and everything will be slot into place, everything yeah. will be complete. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I need a talking Ralph Wiggum action figure. That'll make me happy. Thank God you didn't wake up with them crawling all over. That would have been <laughs> much worse. Uh, let's get into a few little squid bits that I thought uh, you might like. Uh, the cover forms a smiley face on the radar with the blips yes. and markings making eyes at a face while the sweep becomes the blood splash. 
On uh, page two, panel six, we see the Vice President, Gerald Ford, tripping as he walks off the plane. This is a joke about how in the real world Ford was always having accidents and once tripped walking off Air Force One in front of the press. Like, he's, he, uh, I, I, I saw a, before. It's great. Yeah, I know. I saw a uh, quote of him saying that he was really actually quite athletic and he just had that one thing and it just dogged him so badly and just kind of ruined his reputation. He was mythologised by Chevy Chase. Yeah. That was yeah, on Chevy SNL. Chase would play uh, Gerald Ford on SNL and always. Yeah. fall over and take everything down with him. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. You know, the uh, in episode seven, the, uh, you know, the trapdoor not working yep. properly, I think that comes from an SNL sketch. Oh, really? Yeah. They're great. Check uh, uh, Claire Keeshall's Twitter handle. She co-wrote that episode, and uh-huh. I think she tweeted something yeah, about okay. that. So that's worthwhile yep. checking out as well. Um, there are many examples of two riders in this issue. Uh, the two planes landing on page one, the two electric carts on page two. On page four, we see the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, page 12, uh, around, I think it's panel three, we see two more riders. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Page 13, uh, panels eight and nine down in the corner, we have two more riders. Le- so there's two riders all the way through this. Um, on page eight, panel one, you can see Rambo and Care Bears. So, hello, 80s. <laughs> <laughs> um, on page nine, panel four, this is a nice little touch. Rorschach's speech balloon changes back to the old font yep. once he slips his mask on. Mm. And on page 15, panel two, this is the same delivery man we see in chapter five, page eight, panel yep. three. So, um, once again, beautifully uh, constructed and yep. uh, placed together. Uh, I saw, uh, uh, before we, we finish up with this, uh, I saw Alan Moore's daughter, Leah Moore, mm-hmm. um, put up a thing saying that, um, hey, don't forget Dave Gibbons is the co-creator of this. This is not an Alan Moore work alone. Yep. Alan, and she's saying her dad suggested things for the art and Dave suggested things for the story. Mm. So yeah, it, of course. But it was nice to see... Um, you know, of course, you know, Moore is not having anything to do with it, but I like that the daughter yeah. came out and uh, it was just kind of, I don't know. I don't it, know why. I just really like No, that. It's, yeah. it needs to be acknowledged because the art is, I mean, I think I'm appreciating just the draftsmanship more than I ever have. The yeah. symmetry and the just the insane attention to detail and... And those colours on that on that page there where yeah. the, the uh, our ship, Archie, is floating in the water with the twin towers in the background and such beautiful colors yeah pinks and purples and greens yeah. and um yeah it, it's it, the, I, I can't think of another artist who would complement the storytelling mm. so completely where the intricacy of the art is completely reflective in the writing and vice versa yeah. it all feeds into itself it's a it's a, the only other work that i've ever read where there's such a symbiosis between artist and um Rider is a hundred bullets by oh, yeah. Eduardo Rizzo yeah. and uh, Brian Azzarello. Yeah, it, it, the synthesis between them is just—it's yeah, that's um, pretty phenomenal, isn't it? It's phenomenal. Yeah, it is phenomenal that series. Very underrated. Yes, uh, uh, you know, it's it is a hundred issues. It took I think eleven years. Yeah, yeah. to come out, uh, and it is uh, it's it's it, I think it's a masterpiece, a masterpiece of storytelling because yeah. every. I think every maybe fifth of the way through it, you're completely assured that you understand what 
this is and then something will come out oh, from underneath yeah. like oh it's this kind of story now yeah. or now it's this kind of yeah. story. and by the end it has got nothing to do with revenge or you know yeah. this cool concept it's a masterpiece of yeah. a comic you know it's funny I read the first trade mm. didn't get into it mm. read all this great stuff about mm. it read the first trade and the second trade still couldn't get into it it's trade forward well no you know what it was I then watched The Shield, uh-huh. one of the most underrated TV shows of all time. People yeah. have heard Alexi and I, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, extol its virtues. And I, you know what I was having trouble with? I couldn't get the rhythm of the language. Yeah. Once I watched The Shield, yeah. I got the rhythm. And once I got the rhythm, it flowed for me mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I devoured it. Well, what, what, uh, not a lot of people know what he did is because each... Uh, story within the overall series is set mm. in a different state or town of America. Yeah. Azarello would go to that actual place right. and just sit in like whatever the town square just recording people speaking right. and then would phonetically transcribe that oh, that patois into the dialogue. Right. So there's some dialects, particularly where there's a story in Louisiana yep. where it's almost like you almost have to read the dialogue out loud. Right. Because there's syllables dropped and there's half words and yep. it's a lot of it and a lot of it's tonal and a lot he relies a lot on the you know bold type of a of, of a specific word within the sentence to yep. emphasize how you should be reading it. I remember reading that whole series basically out loud as I was yeah. going issue to issue. It's a, f- a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that in a long time, actually, but it really is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, thank you very much, Benjamin, for helping us out with that. I look forward to the grand finale. Oh, yeah, which uh, people will already have heard. So then you'll be back here. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, we're Manhattaning it up. Right. It is. Someone said to me, why are you doing it this way? And it's like, because. This is when you can get people, and yeah. you This is when you can, you're, in, you know, yeah. like with travel and doing gigs and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, in a perfect world, we would have done all twelve chapters. No, I like it this way. This is good. That's great. Keep you on your toes. <laughs> Thank you to Ben for not only appearing on this podcast but the previous episodes as well. I'm a big fan of Ben as an act, and also even more so as a human being. So it's great to have an excuse to hang out uh, together uh, on a more regular basis. And Ben is also super keen for our next idea, which you and I will chat about soon. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you about that in the, the final podcast for the year. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a nice rating on whichever platform you use and tell your like-minded friends who might be giving Watchmen a go now that the series has ended that this podcast is here and it's waiting for them whenever they're ready to go. Uh, One more podcast this week, and it's Richard Fadler at his glorious best. Don't forget, if you're in Adelaide, head to the Adelaide Fringe site to sort out your tickets to my new shows, which will be debuting at the Fringe in 2020. You know what? That's enough for now. Thank you very much for giving me your time. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we will chat again soon. Until then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.